Hi, I'm Randy Heckman. Welcome to the Grand Awakening Podcast. Our heart here is to do all that we can to incline the heart of our Sovereign Lord to pour out His Spirit in power, reviving His church here in West Michigan, in our state, and in our nation, leading to a great spiritual awakening all for His glory. But first, it's critical that we listen to what God is saying to us and that we quickly and cheerfully respond to God's instructions in humble obedience. Today we talk with Pastor Thomas Wilson from the Grand Rapids, Michigan area. Tom's an incredible Bible expositor and has been praying for revival for many years. He has some great insights on what stands between where we are today and the revival that we so desperately need and want. Well, it's certainly my privilege and pleasure to introduce a good friend, uh, the Reverend Thomas Wilson. Uh, Tom and I have been praying together, as we'll be talking about for a number of years with a group of other folks. And uh, it's really been a pleasure to get to know you, Tom, and to pray with you. We've gone on some retreats together. But uh, Tom, let me just give a little intro here. Uh, with the support of his wife, uh, Adrian, uh, established the Word of Faith Grand Rapids. Uh, and it's his passion to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ by teaching the Word, doing the work, and touching the world. I love that. One life at a time. Pastors Tom and Adrian graduated from Pistis Bible School under the auspices of someone else that many of our listeners will, will, will know and be aware of is uh, Pastor Bishop Keith Butler, Word of Faith International Christian Center. Uh, and they are both ordained in 1994. And, of course, married to his partner in ministry. They have two adult children, one awesome grandchild. So welcome to the podcast, Tom. Uh, thank you so much, Randy. And uh, you made me smile by mentioning my grandson. So <laughs> <laughs> I know how that is. You know, kids are great, but grandkids are really great, right? Come on. Grandkids are special. Oh, They're so very good. special. And thank you for having me today, by the way. Um, I love praying with you, and yes. uh, I appreciate your friendship and brotherhood. And so uh, thank you for having me. Well, it is mutual. I'll tell you, we, you used the word covenant. We have a covenant with each other, and I so appreciate mm -hmm. that concept. It's not just a friendship. It's not just, you know, yeah, we're brothers and all, but we have a covenant uh, and and I, I feel it from you. And I also appreciate about you just your ability to teach uh, the Word of God. You actually have a background actually in business, don't you? Could, could we get into that real briefly? Uh, yeah, I do. Actually, um, my father started a company um, actually when I was in high school. Okay. And uh, as the company was brand new and uh, couldn't pay very many people, uh, he had to use unpaid labor, uh, and uh, the, one of the most available was myself. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, wor worked in the business all the way through high school and uh, worked in every aspect of the business. Um, ended up working my way all the way up to president of the company and, wow. and uh, did that for 13 years. Uh, selling uh, product to the automotive company. So um, Detroit is where I'm from. It's very near and dear to my heart. And uh, I, I just, I still uh, sometimes miss the business, uh, but I could not live mm. without ministry. So. so God called you obviously along the way to get into ministry yeah. full time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I realized, I, uh, first of all, God called me to, to attend a ministry school. And then um, while in school, 
um, you know, the Lord told me that someday I was going to have to leave. And I said, Lord, I don't, I don't know how I can do that. Hmm. And uh, the Lord led me to the passage of Scripture where Jesus called James and John, and the Scripture says, and they left their father's boat. And that passage of Scripture uh, helped me to understand that no matter what God called me to do, I would have to obey it. So it was tough, uh, but my father was on my side with that. Oh, I love it. Well, you know, the uh, topic that we're, we're doing on these podcasts I mean, we live at a, a critical time in our history. I think most people would mm-hmm. agree with that. Is mm-hmm. we got to hear what is God trying to say to the American mm-hmm. church? And uh, I, I know that you've given thought to that. And I was just wondering, what are your initial thoughts? What What would you say? You know, if God would communicate what he what he wants to say to the church. You know, we've been praying for revival. There's more people praying for revival today in America, I think, than in our least recent history, and yet. Are we there? Is there something yeah. we're, we're, we're holding out on? What, what would you say? What, what is yeah. God trying to say to the American church? Well, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm torn uh, when it comes to that. There are a number of different things uh, that I've seen present in the church. Uh, but I'm, I'm always hesitant uh, to pass judgment on the church at large. You know, I remember in, uh, in the Old Testament, the prophet Elijah, um, it, um, by the juniper tree, and the angel takes care of him, and he goes to the cave, and God speaks to him, and God says, why are you here? And he begins to talk about what he believes is the state of the church, and he says, I'm the only one. And, uh, you know, he talks about the altars being torn down mm-hmm. and them worshiping Baal, and uh, th- then, uh, uh, then there is a wind, and there's an earthquake, and a fire. And the Bible says, God is not in any of those. And I think sometimes we can look for God in places that he is not. And then there was a still small voice and God was there in that voice. And so I think that sometimes there are in this world that we live in and the culture, cultural atmosphere that we live in, there is a lot of noise that God is not necessarily in. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I hesitate to pass judgment on the entire church, but that doesn't mean I don't believe God is not, is, uh, not speaking. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, well, that's, that's good. Uh, if, if, if I might add to yeah, that, Randy, I, I, I would say that there, uh, there are a couple of things that I believe the Scripture teaches us that if we would just pay attention to what God has shown us, it will prepare us uh, for what is to come. One of those things has to do with our being sensitive to Holy Spirit. Mm. Uh, scripture says He teaches us all things, and He will guide us to all truth. And so if he guides us to all truth, a lot of the deception that is the cause of the cultural upheaval that we face today would not affect the church. That's good. You know, I I sometimes think of uh, Jeremiah. Again, the people were taken captive into Babylon, a very secular Mm -hmm. culture. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, a number, as you probably know, of, of Christians that just rail against government, 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 
And there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's reason to be upset with what we see in Washington and elsewhere. But it's kind of interesting that what was the message that God gave to the, 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 the captives, the, the, the Jew, Jewish yeah. captives in, in Babylon? Uh, I've got it here, Jeremiah 29, starting with verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. And here's the key one, verse 7. It doesn't say go rail against the government and protest. He said, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Kind of amazing to pray for a very secular nation. Kind of interesting, isn't it? It's similar perhaps a little bit to 1 Timothy 2, where yeah. you know Paul tells Timothy, pray for who was who was the emperor at that time, as best we know. Do you know who that might have been? I, I don't. It, it could have been Nero, but it definitely was okay. not a, a follower of Christ. <laughs> well, absolutely, I know that part. <laughs> so he he wants us to pray for those in authority, and I mean, you've heard me describe how I really believe that you know public policy, and and I have a background, you do in business and I do in in government and public policy, that public policy is a lagging indicator of where the culture is, and the culture is a lagging indicator of of where the church is, the health of the church. How healthy would you say, based on what you see, is the church? Mm -hmm. How much are we as Christ followers really all in with Jesus today, willing to do yeah. whatever he says? Well, I, I think we're in a very uh, difficult time right now. I think the the time in quarantine mm. away from the church, uh, you know, it, it, it caused some um, sleepiness, if you will, mm. uh, for a lot of believers. I've, I've talked to some people uh, in my own church about coming back to worship services. And, and uh, you know, quite frankly, some don't really even have a reason that they haven't come back yet. Mm. And so I believe that, uh, you know, that's across the board in a lot of churches. And I think what happened is we missed some of the fundamentals that really keep us connected to Jesus Christ. And because we didn't practice those during the quarantine, which are uh, worship, mm. um, prayer, the ministry of grace, and serving. Mm. See, I think that those four keep us connected to Jesus Christ. Mm. And I think it's only as you, as, as you believe and trust in the grace of God, that's first of all, you, we need that. And many people have gotten into this performance mentality to get God's approval. Mm. I have to be able to understand that my approval uh, started way before I was born. And so it wasn't something that I earned or anything that, that I deserve. It's unearned. And, uh, you know, Randy, I've, I've talked uh, before in our meetings about the Old Testament word hesed, which I believe 
that 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 I believe that that represents the grace of God in the Old Testament, and how that the root of that word means uh, to bow at the neck in courtesy to an equal. And it's, it's, you know, it's the way that you allow somebody to go in the door before you get there first, but you hold the door open and you bow at the neck in courtesy to an equal. And I believe that at the heart of that, uh, at, at the heart of that is the fact that you're really not equal. My right is really greater than yours. But what I'm doing is I'm saying that there is a love that will not allow you to stay behind me. I'm going to make you equal. And that's what God's grace does for us. It provides for us an equal access to his, uh, his goodness, his, his, um, his kingdom, um, his power. It uh, gives us that access, even though it belongs to him. He bestows it on us. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you, really you think is. of those verses in the Old Testament that say, you know, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love, his chesed, endures forever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we just don't deserve yeah. him, do we? No. Unbelievable. No. Unbelievable. No. And we, you, we you don't. Know, I see that in, in, what is it, John 13, where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Mm hmm. And, I mean, even Judas, who betrayed mm -hmm. him. Unbelievable. The love God has. And like you say, he chose us, you know, Ephesians chapter 1, even before the foundation of the world, to be his. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. wow. It's just but, so phenomenal. Yeah. You, you know, in washing Judas's feet, he shows you that the love that is shared doesn't have anything to do with the individual receiving the love. It only has to do with the character of the one giving the love. And, I, 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 and it is so powerful in the situation with Judas. It's the same thing when the lawyer came to uh, Jesus and he asked him, who is my neighbor? Mm -hmm. And when Jesus went through uh, and, and, and talked about the Good Samaritan and how the religious people just walked by the wounded man on the road, and this Samaritan person, uh, this uh, person who they considered uh, uh, a pig and nasty, that was the one who ended up being the hero of the story because his love was shared, did, didn't matter what was going on in that man's life. His love shared and, and really ended up healing the man. So that is um, amazing. That's it's a powerful so good. story. So good. So, you know, you're a pastor. You've been a pastor since 94, as is your wife. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was an executive pastor at a local church for a few years. <laughs> You've probably heard the statement, you know, the job wouldn't be so bad if it weren't for the people involved. <laughs> That's kind of a joke, of course. But it is, especially in our day with this COVID thing, but uh, just in general, I mean, we can joke about the people, but people do have issues. And yeah. it is a challenging yeah. role. And you also, as a, a spiritual leader, 
you clearly have a you know big target on your backside from our arch enemy Satan. So it's it's not an easy job, is it? Yeah, uh, no, it's it's very difficult. And you, you know, you mentioned COVID. I, I, that's a just a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are uh, people on polar opposite sides of the the vaccine and and uh, you know how you should handle services coming in together and and so that can be such a polarizing issue uh, in in the church that it, it's it's difficult to find some middle ground and uh, you know I, I I've had to try to respect both sides and I I certainly have an opinion uh, but I don't think my opinion, uh, should pre- preclude you from having an opinion that may be d- totally different. Uh, but uh, I'm not going to judge you in that because you're the Lord's servant. And so, uh, you know, it becomes it becomes a challenge uh, to try to uh, bring a balanced perspective uh, so that we all can come together. But it, it is uh, very, it's been a very difficult time uh, to, to try to bring God's people together. Yeah. You know, we have been praying for revival uh, as a group. We meet weekly, just uh, so our audience knows. We've got uh, ministry leaders. We've got uh, our local mayor joins us, a real man of God. And uh, again, it's a diverse group. You know, we got people of different denominations, different backgrounds, but we love each other. And that's, yeah. again, evidence yeah. of, of God's reality. I mean, we are forever brothers, and, and we love that fact. We've been on these retreats together and so on. Yeah. So that, that's been a challenge. But, you know, we pray for each other's needs, which we need to do. But we have been praying for revival. In fact, we put a nice thing up on the screen uh, by Jonathan Edwards uh, weekly and, and uh, pray along those themes of, of united prayer. But are we, gonna, are we seeing that revival? Are you seeing evidence of that? What's your sense? Are we yet to see it? Where are we in, in that? Yeah, well, you know what? Um, first of all, I think coming through uh, the quarantine, we're seeing somewhat of a falling away. But I think that uh, that precedes the uh, revival awakening that we're looking for. And so, you know, I, I believe that... Um, uh, we shouldn't be totally, our emotions shouldn't be directed by what we see. Uh, we're faith people. And the scripture says we walk by faith and not by sight. And so there is a godly biblical perspective, which I think faith is. It's a godly biblical perspective uh, that sees what God says rather uh, than what is in front of your eyes. So do you sense that it is coming? Again, God is sovereign. We, we all know that. And he decides yeah. when and if things happen. But with all the folks around our country, I interviewed Bill Eliff, Pastor Bill Eliff, last week, and he said he's never seen in his lifetime more groups seeking the Lord for revival across the country. And he sees young people, young men, mm-hmm. particularly mm-hmm. pastors that are just so fervent in their their prayer for revival. What what what's yeah. your sense? Is it are we close? Are we already seeing some of it? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, and uh, um, what I was leading to in my previous comments is yeah. that the falling away mm. was had to happen before 
we see the revival. And so I, I believe that it's coming. I am seeing, too, at the same time, people with a hunger for God, unlike anything that I've seen in quite some time. And so, uh, you know, w- and that's why it's important that we not necessarily uh, see with our eyes. We see through our eyes. And so I, I want to let God show me what he's doing through his scripture. Uh, you know, the, the scripture talks about uh, people falling away. It talks about people uh, and preachers being willing to do anything for money. It talks about people being too comfortable with sin. All of these things in the book of Revelation, when Jesus uh, gave us a prognosis on the condition of the church. And so there are uh there are times that we will live in that I believe, and I believe those things that he saw then are still present in the church today. And what Jesus, I think, wanted to show us is that even though you will see these things, there will always be a group of godly people that will love me and live for me and continue to have an impact on their world. That's really good. Amen. Amen. And how great it would be to see that number grow and for him to really pour out his spirit and power. Have you studied some of the histories of some of the past awakenings and revivals? Are you familiar with some of them, what's happened? Yeah, very, uh, uh, very loosely. Not, not, I don't know them and, and can't quote them as you, you can quote, uh, many of the leaders of those revivals, but, uh, very loosely have studied them. And, you know, I believe actually, Randy, the key is uh, for us to focus on ourselves individually. That's really good. And not, and not be so uh, focused on what the church is doing. You know, the Bible says, awake to a righteousness and sin not. That's so good. And so I believe that the awakening will be an awakening to the righteousness that we've been made in Christ Jesus. That's really good. Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting. I, again, I mentioned I spoke to Bill Elif uh, last week. He mentioned God moving in a uh, church in Henderson, Tennessee, Long mm-hmm. Hollow Baptist Church. It's a group, it's a fairly good-sized church, six, 7,000 folks. Pastor mm-hmm. Robbie Galati, Galati, Galati is probably how it's pronounced. But it's kind mm-hmm. of interesting. As I looked into a little bit more detail, and let me just read for you what, what I read, uh, he tells the story himself. He said, God had Rod, Robbie late last year, late 2020, uh, mm-hmm. go nightly to his porch and sit and listen to the Lord for several months. In other words, he'd go there every night for several months. He said, I went to the porch every night to sit with the Lord thinking that he was going to fix the problems in my church. I was really frustrated. I said, Lord, you fix the problems in my staff. I need you to fix the problems in my church Fix the deacons. Fix the country. (laughs) And here's what the Lord showed me, he said. About two months in, it was actually December 20th of 2020, God showed me, he said, the problem is not with your church, Robbie. It's not with your staff. The problem is you. You're the problem, he said. Ouch. (laughs) He became convicted that he needed to deal with sin in his life, pride, jealousy, and arrogance. He didn't even, Mm -hmm. he wasn't even aware they had taken up residence in his heart. He added that jealousy in the pastoral ministry becomes one of the greatest sins we all suffer with. Well, anyhow, he confessed that. And he told his congregation. 
And then since December 20 of 2020 to the present, here we are in mid-August 2021, they've had over 1,500 people baptized. Wow. And that's another thing that, that God told him after he cleared the air with the Lord is uh, God gave him this two two word sentence, spontaneous baptisms. He says, what is that? But as a result, it's just like God is moving. And it started mm. with, with the leader being humble. Mm-hmm. And how many times if, when you look in the history of revivals, there'll be in a given church, there'll be like two ladies or two men or what two families that won't speak to each other. And they clear the air, and then the Holy Spirit is free to come down. Or in another community, the church had a church split a number of years ago, and the place was dead. And they felt so bad when they were convicted of it that they, they asked forgiveness. They even took a full-page ad in the newspaper in town say, we were wrong. Would you please forgive us, city, for being a, such a bad example of, of unity? And then revival yeah. came to that community. So what's it yeah. going to take, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you can see, I, I, I see people changing in their own lives. Yes. And so they were in the way. Yes, <laughs> that's right. And so we need to pray every day, don't we? God, that's show right. me. Am I right. st- this guy, this pastor of a huge church, he didn't see it, but then God lovingly showed him. And then he was you know, humble enough to, to open up about it. So God help us, you know, to, to be open to anything we have that st- stays in the yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. so good, yeah. man. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, I, I think that uh, uh, so often there are things in our own lives that we get in God's way yes. of things that he wants to do in our lives. So um, that's, that's really I think that's a, that's a powerful testimony. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, um, let me ask you this question. If you were okay. able to uh, speak to, let's just say, just about every follower of Christ mm-hmm. in Let's say our country. You're just one-on-one. You could just direct something to them and, and as a means of encouragement or, or challenge of any kind. Um, what might you say? Boy, that's, that's big. I, I think what I would do is to uh, encourage them in the Scripture from Ephesians chapter 2, um, verse number 6, I think. Yeah, it, it talks about uh, the fact that we've been raised together and made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I, I think one of the um, uh, one of the problems in the church overall is that sometimes we look at Scripture and we read it as something that's going to happen. But this scripture says that we've already been seated with Jesus. And so what does it mean to live from that vantage point? Because that vantage point is far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. And so when you live from that vantage point, there are a lot of things that are just quite frankly beneath you. Uh, and, and so learning to, uh, by faith, faith gives you perspective 
from that vantage point so that then you begin to live as though it already is because it is. Hmm. So you would tell people, you'd remind them of the reality of that, and Mm -hmm. as a result, what would you tell them? As a result, it defines who I am Hmm. in Christ Jesus. Wow. And I think that's what the Apostle Paul was trying to get across to the church at Ephesus in the first three verses, who you are in Christ Jesus and recognizing that, uh, you know, there are several benefits to being in that place. Number, uh, Number one, we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So just begin to ask God to help you to explore what those spiritual blessings are, uh, what it means to be blessed spiritually. That that doesn't mean to be blessed physically. That means that that um, uh, every every benefit of being alive and uh, a, a alive spiritually belongs to you. Uh, there are other, yeah, other things that uh, I could go through the book. of. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But that yeah. is good to yeah. know that and believe that and live with that reality because Satan That's right. is constantly beating us up and telling us we're no good. God's mad at us. You may just as well go send your guts out because, you know, you're a loser anyhow. And God wants us to trust the reality of what of his love, as we've talked earlier, and, and our yeah. position in him. That's so yeah. good. And that, that, that position, incidentally, it's at his right hand, wow. which is the place of authority. Mm. And we're seated together with Christ. So and so good. that's a place of authority. That means that uh, the, everything that Jesus has authority over, we have that same authority. Wow. That's powerful. Because... We are under his authority. I think that's important to say. That's right. That's so good. Yeah. Well, Thomas, yeah. anything else you want to add? Otherwise, I'd like you to close us in prayer, if you would. Um, you know, before we went on, I was reading Psalm number 40. And I'd like to just read that in the Message Bible, and then I'll pray. Uh, verses 1 through 3. That's great. The Message Bible said, I waited and waited and waited for God. At last he looked. Finally he listened. He lifted me out of the ditch, pulled me from the deep mud. He stood me up on a solid rock to make sure I wouldn't slip. He taught me how to sing the latest God song, a praise song to our God. More and more people are seeing this. They enter the mystery abandoning themselves to God. I love it. Yeah. And I, you know, I just think, Randy, when we learn to abandon ourselves totally, see, I think sometimes we hold on. I do. Yes. Yes. We hold on. We don't want to totally give up. But when we learn to totally abandon ourselves to God, which is part of what we do in prayer, what we do in worship, what we do in serving, and it is uh, what, what, what it means to live in his grace. So uh, let's, let's pray. Good. 
Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you, Lord God, for your word. We, we thank you, Lord God, for uh, the, the everything that Holy Spirit helps us to see in your word. We know, Lord God, that you have given us instructions uh, for our lives. And so we thank you, Lord God, that as we wait and wait and wait on you, as we wait and wait and wait on revival, as we wait and wait and wait on awakening, we thank you, Lord God. Uh, we do so, Lord, with the confidence that you have heard our prayers. We do so with the assurance, Lord God that you answer our prayers. And we thank you, Lord God, for the same trust and confidence in all of the listeners. We pray, Lord God, that they wait and wait and wait, that we don't in any way, Lord, ever get impatient with you. But we understand that if we're going to have it, it must come from you. And so we thank you for teaching us, instructing us as we abandon ourselves to you. We give you all of the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Tom, thank you so much for being with us. Love you, brother. Thank you for having me, Randy. Love you too. Oh, God bless you.